With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time to cross the bridge with Mike Bianchi and Mark Daniels on FM 96.9 The Game. Powered by Advent Health. That is correct. Advent Health for Children's Day of Giving coming up December 13th. Your chance to help kids in the hospital this holiday season. Your donation stays local, helps cover gas and grocery bills for families with kids undergoing treatment. It's a great cause. Visit GiveForKidsToday.com to donate. So our musical theme this week, Daniels, was the 1970s? Or 1970? Was that the, the I year? I believe so, 1970. What is it? What, can you turn this up, Kyle? Is this a Christmas song from 1970? Yeah. Ding. Sounds like, sounds like a young Michael Jackson, Jackson 5. There it is. Hmm. Wow. Okay. I don't think I've ever heard this one. Well, the young Michael going, oh, mommy's messing around with some other guy. <laughs> right. No, Santa Claus is the husband. Stop ah. it. Oh, yeah. Daniels. There's no adultery going on with oh, Santa. All right. Put down um, the spiked hot chocolate there, Michael. Uh, SEC legend Deshane Matthews, Gator radio analyst, scheduled to join us right now, but he's had a holdup. He may join us later in the bridge. Oh, we oh, shall oh, see. Excuse me, Mr. Busy up there, Mr. Legend. Huh? Well, he is going to, yeah, he's officially becoming an SEC legend at the SEC championship game this weekend. He's up there for all the festivities. He's also the Gator radio analyst, so we'll ask him some questions about the Gators and Graham Mertz. Re-upping with Billy Napier. Before we get into some of the news of the day, Daniels, I I meant to ask you this yesterday because this is right up your alley, all right? And we didn't talk about it yesterday, and I meant to. What did you think about NASCAR's new $7.7 billion TV deal? Uh, It's a great deal for NASCAR. Um, Okay. uh, uh, They get multiple media partners here. NBC comes back. Fox comes back. Warner Brothers Discovery is going to put some races on TNT. Uh, and then Amazon Prime comes in here as well. The challenge, like all sports are, is that you're not making it a one-stop shop place for your fans. They've got to figure out where to find a race this week and qualifying and things like that. But I've said this, despite my incredible passion for Formula One, uh, completely separate of that, NASCAR's in a good spot. They've had, uh, I think, a couple of really good seasons, a lot of competition, great racing, the ratings have settled into a nice spot. It's a valuable property. Uh, media partners see benefit in it, and I think it's a really good deal for them. Daniels, I just uh, five of the races. I think the second five or the third five races are going to be on Amazon streaming. I just don't know that these NASCAR fans know what streaming is, Daniels. Well, you know? I, I, I think there's some sarcasm <laughs> in that, but but I think there is something to be said about you know uh, uh, a fan base that 
doesn't know exactly where the race is each week. Now, NASCAR's dealt with that having multiple partners for a number of years now. But, uh, you know, now you're sending people to a third and fourth location. It's up to your sport to do a good job uh, promoting it. But I do think that there's, you know, dollars involved that made Amazon Prime, uh, you know, want to get involved here. Streaming. We got to go down to the stream to yeah. watch the race? Get my fishing pole, go down, watch that thing right there. Don't <laughs> stream nothing. Turn on old MRN and Eli Gold, tell me who's in turn four. You got some big old largemouth bass in that stream. Yeah, but it's I'm a good deal about. for them. And, you know, the NBA's next. And then we're going to see an interesting shift in, in what happens with media rights in the next decade. What do you mean? Well, I just think that the traditional media deal is done. Uh, I think this wave of conference deals in college sports, the NFL got their deal done. The NBA is going to get their deal done. Um, I think you may see the NBA really push towards more national games with the whole regional sports network thing falling apart. I think they want the rights to more teams. What's happened in MLB, they want to acquire all the rights back so that they do something on a national scale and trying to make it an easier one-stop shop. Uh, you know, right now, if you're a fan of of, of the Yankees, you're, you've got to pop to four different places to find your team's games. And I think what MLB would like is you have one destination. Some of it may be distributed by the Yes Network. Some of it distributed by MLB.com. But I think ultimately they want you to go to one place to buy and get all. And I do think the next wave of conference deals uh, are going to be more streaming and non-traditional uh, outlets. So it's an interesting shift the next decade, I think, in rights deals. Uh, some of the satellite topics we talked about today during open mic. Um, there's a, a bit of a controversy about Deion Sanders being named the Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the year, despite the fact that the bottom fell out of Colorado season, they finished one and eight in the Pac-12, four and eight overall. I think they lost their last six games, if I'm not mistaken. You have any issue with Dion being the sports person of the year? I don't really care, but it's done just for hits and clicks. That's all it is. I mean, uh, you know, if you did it based on the month of August and September, you know, it's fine. But I'm not quite sure. In, in, in the entire year, but that's for hits and clicks. They could have named, as you said, Messi, and it wouldn't get as much American attention. It would get world attention, but I don't think it would get much American attention. Hey, let's go to break early. We got Shane Matthews on, so let, let's go to break early and come back and, and talk with Shane Matthews from the SEC Championship game. That's next on The Bridge. This is The Bridge on FM 96.9 The Game. Powered by Advent. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Ah, Frank Sinatra, a real legend. Speaking of legends, he was already a Gator legend, but now he's officially an SEC legend. Gator great Shane Matthews will be honored as one of 14 new SEC legends during the SEC championship game festivities this weekend. Shane, welcome to the show with Mark Daniels and I. How you doing, my man? Doing good, Shane. What sort of festivities do they have planned for all the legends this weekend? 
Uh, we got a luncheon, a dinner tonight, and then we got to go to the game tomorrow. So uh, all kinds of stuff. Who are some of the Who are some of the other legends? Are you the biggest legend, or are there bigger legends than you? <laughs> well, I'll be uh, honest with you. I hadn't looked at the list. Uh, just got mm. here late last night. Um, gosh, okay. I don't really know the answer to that. Okay. All right, Shane. All right. Okay. You're only worried about yourself. I understand. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Shane, Shane, real quick, on it, honestly though, when 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 you found out you were going to be an SEC legend, how did you feel? I mean, obviously, Gator fans, you know, know how great you were, Steve Spurrier's first quarterback. What's it mean to you to be honored like this? I mean, it's pretty cool. You know, Coach Spurrier is the one that called me uh, back in October, maybe. And typical Coach Spurrier is like, I just want to call and tell you, you're going to be the Florida SEC legend. I don't know what the hell it took them so long to get you to be the legend. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, they've only done this since I think since 1994. So, uh, it's an honor. I'm I'm very fortunate to be here on behalf of the University of Florida. By the way, uh, Shane and Mike, that class includes guys like Joey Kent, who who played at Tennessee. Shane, uh, you know, when you were there, and some other guys. No, Sean Marino at Georgia. Um, some other guys that played after Patrick Willis at Old Miss, uh, to, to name a few. Ray Childress, obviously Texas A&M back um, in the '80s, so that's part of the class. Uh, Shane, the I only think Shane, I think Shane's the biggest legend among us. You can make the case, uh, Shane. I want to go back because um, my wife and I were at the first SEC title game in '92. It's one of the reasons that I don't go to games anymore in person that often mm-hmm. because we got double bird in the face late in the game on the pick mm-hmm. and um you know that kind of made me say we're never going to sit in the stands again but aside from that can you share what it was like in 92 because that was historic people didn't see a conference championship game and it's led to everything they were watching now even before the game itself what do you remember about just the thought there's going to be a title game and then just getting to that title game well, a, a lot of people, especially the coaches, were very upset with Roy Kramer for this idea that he came up with because playing an extra game in our conference, basically they thought there was no way you could win a national title. And, you know, <laughs> quite honestly, I think Roy Kramer owes me some royalties from all these damn games because if we, if we win that game, there would have never, ever been another SEC championship game or any championship games in all of college football. So when they did that documentary – that's why they they named it the play that changed college football. So I'm solely responsible for this championship game, the ACC, the Pac-12, all of those. <laughs> I like it. I like the <laughs> I like the way you look at it. Um, what has impressed you the most about just though as the conference has grown, where that game has meant so much in the national championship race? And you know we can compare this year in title games and all scenarios. But as you've watched that game grow and you being a part of the first one just what stands out when you hear about sec title game well there's nothing like it uh i've come probably to 10 or 12 of these here in atlanta whether the gators are playing or not due to to, uh the sec fanfare the sec has different players come and do some stuff in the at the fanfare but i've been to final fours i've been to super bowls i've been to college national championship games There is nothing like the atmosphere at the SEC championship game. It's not even close. Uh, The passion of the fan bases for whoever's playing here is like no other, and uh, I'm looking forward to a heck of a game tomorrow. 
All right, Shane, we know you're an SEC guy. There's been a lot of debate. Nick Saban yesterday lobbying that, hey, whoever wins the SEC championship game belongs in the four-team college football playoff, even if it's Alabama with one loss, even though they're ranked number eight right now in the college football playoff. Where do you sit if Alabama wins the championship game? Do they deserve to jump over Texas and Florida State and some of these other teams to get in? Well, I will tell you, I watch a lot of college football. The four best teams in America, in my opinion, are Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Now, they're not all going to get in, but those are the four best teams, um, clearly, in my opinion. So to answer your question, if Alabama beats Georgia, I do think they deserve to be in because they're going to beat the best. I mean, the, the two-time defending national champions won, what, what 36? 29 straight they won. Yeah, but they've won 30. They've gone 12-0 and 0 three straight years, which is unbelievable. Yeah. And I think they deserve to get in regardless. Uh, but that I am, I have SEC, but I'm, a, I'm a, I just believe in the SEC week in and week out. I don't care what their conference records were against the opponent or whatever. If you tee it up in the SEC eight times a year, it's brutal. And, uh, so it should be a heck of a game. I still think Georgia's going to win, but if Alabama does win, I think they both should go. Well, well, again, I understand you're an SEC guy, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to start a debate here. But I mean, Alabama it took a miracle for them to beat Auburn last week. They barely beat Arkansas. They struggled against USF earlier in the year. Why would you say Alabama is one of the four best teams? They haven't proven that really week in, week out, have they? Well, who would you put in over them? I'd put in an undefeated Florida State. No, okay, you just okay. What you just said has not been impressive. They struggle with a some bad ACC teams on the road week in and week out. I mean, bad ACC teams. So, I look. We need the twelve team playoff like this year. Um, but if you put Alabama on the same field with with even if Jordan Travis was playing, I would take Alabama every day of the week. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mark? Shane, let's bring it back to uh, uh, the Gators this year as you sat and, and, and uh, cut our analysts on the broadcast for the Gator games, and obviously the season didn't go the way a lot of people had expected. But can you share why you think the glass may be half full as opposed to half empty and find some things that Gator fans can build on even though the record didn't show it? Well, you know, I, I thought we'd win seven or eight games before the year. I thought Graham Mertz was going to be outstanding, and he did play outstanding football till the injury. Um, you know, you can point at a bunch of different games. Every every fan base can, but the, it was just totally unbelievable, unacceptable, whatever you want to say, how we lost uh, the Arkansas and the Missouri game. Those are two wins that you had in your back pocket. Uh, so you can look at it and say, you know, they – they, they had opportunities to win a bunch of games. I think they got a lot of good young talent. Uh, defensively, just struggled all year long. Um, offensively, I know people worry about play calling and this, that, and the other, but we averaged over 34 points a game in SEC play. Was it explosive at times? No, but it was good enough to win games. So, uh, you know, in today's world, you can add a few players and make your team very good the following year, but you also can lose some guys. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the offseason. 
What do you make of a portal world, and is there a little bit of danger by going so heavy into that world? Um, I don't have a problem with the transfer portal. Uh, if you need, if you want to go somewhere for an opportunity to play, but it's a mess right now. Uh, there's going to be a ton of kids that go in the portal. They just threw their scholarships away and will never play football again. Um, it's, it's a shame. It's, it, it's, a, it's who's going to give you the most money. Let's be honest. Um, some, some really good players that aren't on great teams will go to the portal, get paid by, some teams that know they're going to be in the playoffs next year and compete for a national title. Uh, I know there's a lot of guys that want to do that, but um, the pay-for-play is just absolutely ridiculous right now, and it's only going to get worse. Shane, obviously you know offense. You played, you're a college football legend. You played in the NFL for a zillion years. Uh, you're the offensive coordinator in the XFL. By the way, what's going on with the XFL real quick? You know just as much as I do, Bianchi. I have no idea. Okay. All right. But what's your, I mean, there's all this talk that Billy Napier needs to hire an offensive coordinator, if for no other reason, so that he can oversee the overall program, maybe clean up some of the sideline blunders that we saw this year. What's your opinion? Can you be an offensive coordinator in today's NF, in today's college football and still be an effective head coach? Yes, you can. There's tons of people doing it across the country. Um, look, I, I understand. It doesn't matter if they hire Steve Spurs, the offensive coordinator. When a play doesn't work, Bianchi, they're going to call your show and complain about it. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to complain about plays that work. They're only going to complain about things that don't work. And I get it. That's just the nature of the beast when you're calling plays. And even when you win games, you sit there and you beat your head against the wall. I should have called this or we should have done that. So, Time will tell, but but to answer your question, there are plenty of coaches that are the head coach that call the plays or the, the head coach that run the defense, so uh, it can be done. Now, it's a little different now with all the nonsense you got to put up with with the portal and uh, NIL and trying to keep guys on your own roster, but there, there's people around the country doing that. Shane, in about one minute, last question for me. Graham Mertz announces yesterday he's coming back uh, for another year at Florida, says unfinished business on his social media account. What does Graham Mertz's return mean for Billy Napier's program, and what's it mean for DJ Lagway, the five-star freshman coming in? Well, I don't know what it means for DJ. I just know it brings stability to that position. Um, When I saw Graham in the summer, I was like, this guy's a legit quarterback, great leader, extremely accurate, can anticipate. Uh, I would have liked them to use him a little bit more. I don't think they used him at times the way that, that, you know, by letting him throw it down the field, letting him really use his throwing ability. He's good, man. Um, I think he's a guy that's going to last in the NFL as a backup like I did for a long time because he's smart, great teammate, and as I said, he's extremely accurate and and very, very tough. So uh, I know DJ Lagway is a five-star coming in. People are really, really excited about him. Um, but it's the SEC, man, um, and it's going to be a difficult schedule next year. So I feel feel like Graham Mertz will be our guy. Shane Matthews, SEC legend. Jay, uh, Shane, enjoy all the festivities out there, and congratulations. Congratulations. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all take care. Um, yeah, Mike, he's the only guy that uh, made me at a game uh, face double birds of Alabama fans of the first <laughs> SEC talent game. My wife and I were sitting in the end zone. And uh, it's before I started at UCF, and uh, the pick, and Langer runs it back, and we were in the middle of an Alabama section. They were all just 
Antonio Why am I getting the double bird here? <laughs> Antonio Langham makes the interception for Alabama. I still remember after that game, Spurrier didn't blame Shane Matthews as quarterback. No, he didn't. For the interception. He blamed the receiver yep. for not shielding yep. the uh, Monty Duncan was the receiver, by the yeah. way. Yep. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, we uh, got to say goodbye to the audience in Tallahassee. You can keep listening to Mike and I on the bridge by finding the Our Heart app and searching 96.9 The Game. Uh, we'll come on back and a lot more football talk to get to on this Friday morning. Uh, but first, let us pause for station identification. WYGM Orlando, WJRR HD2 Cocoa Beach. Now, back to the bridge, powered by Advent Health, with Mike Bianchi and Mark Daniels. By the way, the next year, Florida uh, beats Alabama, and it began uh, began a string of four in a row. You know how many teams have won four straight SEC titles since then? Who? None. Really? No. Not even Alabama? No. Wow. Uh-uh. Alabama wow. won uh, uh, four out of five and uh, five out of seven, but uh, not four in a row. Wow! Yeah. Wow. All right, I didn't. I didn't want to get into a real lively debate with Shane Matthews on Alabama being one of the four best teams in the country. But, <laughs> yeah, but Nick Saban, you know, obviously lobbying yesterday as he should have. I mean, he should be lobbying for his team to get into the playoff if they beat Georgia. I just don't see how you can. And again, and I understand Alabama's legacy. I understand the SEC's legacy once they do get into the college football playoff, but I don't think that should matter, Daniels. I'm sorry. I'm one of these guys who thinks that what happened this year is all that should matter. And you look at Alabama this year, yeah, they're a good team. Maybe they are one of the four best teams, but they haven't proven it over the course of the season. And I'm one of these guys who says, forget about the four best teams. It should be the the, the it should be about the four teams that have played the best all season long. And to me, Alabama is not one of those teams. Well, first off, I think you understand Saban politicking, uh, yes. Shane defending the SEC, even Kirby Smart, who really dodged the question about should they lose, uh, you know, they deserve to get in. I, you know, I think asking a coach, hey, you know, if you're going to lose before a game like that. So I think we understand why people are politicking for their teams. And I reminded people yesterday on my show, do not forget, this remains an invitational. No matter how we spin this, even in the 12-team playoff era, it is an invitational. While the 12-team playoff era is going to reward conference champions, it still will have a committee determine who gets buys. It still may tell a team that won a Power 4 league that you still have to go play a first-round game. And as long as you have that, we're still going to have these types of debates. We'll have these types of debates about who's four versus five and gets a bye versus playing in that first round. Who's teams 11, 12, 13, and 14 that do not uh, you know, get in? Who host a first-round game versus being on the road in that 8, 9, or 7, 10 matchup? These debates are going to continue on different levels. We'll even have some conference commissioners. And by the way, Tony Petiti at the Big Ten and Jim Phillips at the ACC have openly talked about reviewing the thought of a uh, of a conference title game that by playing that 13th game are you endangering uh uh you know playoff potential team because they played that 13th game 
So these things aren't going away, and as long as we're asking humans to decide this, you're going to have this kind of argument every single year. And even though the TV talking heads tell you it should be the four best teams right now, no one knows exactly what the committee feels other than this, Mike. The committee has told you the last couple of weeks they still believe in Florida State without Jordan Travis. The only difference was they moved Washington above because of a game they won a couple of weeks ago, and yet uh, Florida State moved up. They could have left Ohio State above Florida State, but the committee told you their opinion on that. So I think it may be more of media play than the actual committee's view, which has told you again through last week's body of work, Florida State is better than these teams. Why would that change if they win tomorrow? And plus, and plus, if you, if you want to say the four best team, that's what that's what I keep hearing Herb Street and some of these other guys say. It should be the four best teams at the end of the season. Then okay, then why is it Ohio State considered one of the four best teams? They barely lose to Michigan. They've got a decent resume. They beat Penn State. They beat Notre Dame. Um, wh- why is Ohio State? Why isn't anybody making an argument for them? Because they're not a conference champion? It's uh, what, what does that matter when it comes to the four best teams? We are uh, drunk of the moment, <laughs> meaning we get intoxicated by what is most recent in our memories, and therefore we say, well, you got to move Ohio State down because. because I, I'll take your point. I would ask Kirk, okay, so on a neutral field, you apparently believe that Ohio State would beat Florida State, so how come they're not ranked ahead of them now? Again, we're listening to talking heads of a fine bomb and others when one thing about transparency of this committee, like or dislike how they go about it, again, through last week, they told you what they think of Florida State compared to these other schools. Now, they may get caught up in the moment of tomorrow and suddenly move things around, but the committee, at least through last week's 13 weeks and 12 games, has still told you they believe Florida State to be better. Now, will they hold it against them because of the opponent they're playing? A two-loss Louisville team versus Alabama playing number 1 Georgia? Um, You know, is Texas hurt because they're not playing Oklahoma, who's ranked higher than Oklahoma State? Uh, Is Oregon going to be rewarded because they're playing undefeated third-ranked Washington? That's the unknown going into uh, Sunday and, and this weekend's games. But the committee's told you what they think of Florida State after 12 games. Yeah, yeah. So, do you, do do you think Florida State just needs to win, or do you think they need to be impressive? Do they need to dominate? Uh, I don't believe the committee is going to leave out a thirteen and zero Florida State football team. The only thing I would add, dot dot dot, is I don't know how crazy tomorrow could get. Um, if if Alabama beats Georgia by three touchdowns then those raw emotional things can trigger people to go, huh, you know. Um, does, does Texas blow out Oklahoma State by four touchdowns, Alabama wins by three touchdowns, and Louisville misses a 36-yard field goal that would have beaten Florida State, then that might be enough crazy to make a yeah, committee maybe. think so. But I still think a 13-0 Florida State team will get in, and I believe should get in, and I, 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 I like you, I can't, I understand the look at the teams right now, but I don't like the fact that we're throwing away 
September, October, and right. November. Those weeks should matter. And the whole Alabama thing, which Shane had great respect for Shane's knowledge of the SEC. Again, if 4th and 31 is tipped out of bounds and Alabama beats Georgia tomorrow, would anybody be supporting them in the playoff? Nobody. Not so, a soul. So we're just saying that it, it, it's okay that they survived on that, but any close game that Florida State had doesn't matter? Why? Yeah, that just doesn't make any sense. That's why. Now, this I, doesn't... I, 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 I'm, again, I'm fine with the argument about Alabama versus Texas and the head-to-head and why I don't think it should be the only factor. I think you and I disagree on that. And that's I think okay. it should be the ulti- and, it should be the biggest factor. And and I understand that I think it's a factor. I don't think it's the biggest factor. I think it's a factor and it would carry weight, but I do think that you have to give a value to Alabama if they beat Georgia and the way that game goes. I'm I, I'm okay with the Texas fan arguing why are we behind Oregon? You know, here's our body of work. We beat Alabama. Uh, you know, here's our schedule of top 25 teams that we beat. I'm fine with Texas having that argument. And you can say, well, you lost to Oklahoma. But okay, well, they're 12th or 13th. So, so well, Oregon lost uh, to Washington. I'm fine with all those debates. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I understand Nick Saban making his point about, hey, we're the hottest team uh, right now, which is why I remind people you're falling back into an invitational. That's what this is. It's what it's going to be in a 12-team playoff era. You're still asking people that have a mix of opinions, some that will care about the body of work over 13 games, some will care about the play of the last two weeks, some will still put value in Florida State's win against LSU at the beginning of the year, some will say, well, you know, um, it's different, and I guess that's why you have 12 people on uh, the committee. Um, And yet, in some ways, I guess it's the beauty of this thing. That that's what makes tomorrow fascinating on so many levels. And All right, let me just read you. Shane Matthews was talking about well, well, Florida State struggled to beat some you know bad ACC teams. Um, obviously, referring to I don't know what Boston College. Um, I don't know who else he was referring to. But mm-hmm. let me just read you some scores. All right, Alabama again, Auburn last week, twenty-seven twenty-four, miracle. Took to win that game. Arkansas, a uh, terrible team, 24-21, barely beat them. Um, Texas A&M fired their coach, Jimbo Fisher, paid him $77 million. Alabama barely beat them, 26-20. USF's third game of the season, it's 10-3, midway through the third quarter. Alabama ends up winning it 17-3. Are you, should the college football playoff committee go through and 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 measure how you won games is that well i think you're just to, trying to find fair? well everybody tries to find warts when you're trying yeah. to make your point but it, 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 uh, i'm getting a little tired of it not you but people keep measuring like you brought up the south florida game people go well, alabama was different then oh but i can't say that florida state's different the boston college game is mid-september Okay, it's yeah. not like it was two weeks ago. Because here's Florida State's margin of victories in ACC. Okay, they beat Florida by nine. Forget the North Alabama game. 
beat Miami in a rivalry game by seven. Well, they only won by seven. Alabama was a two-touchdown favorite against Auburn and got bailed out on fourth and 31. Prior to that, here's the margin of victory uh, for Florida State. 17-25-18-38-22. Well, where's the close game? Yeah. The two close games are Boston College in mid-September and a Clemson team who we thought was still really good. And is now ranked, by the way. So it's not like in November they were hanging on. Okay, I agree. I just read you their margin of victories. But again, I I remind people and even myself, at least through last week, the committee gave you their opinion on Florida State. They could have dropped them after the North Alabama game and after the Miami, uh, 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 after North Alabama game when he got hurt. They could have said, hey, you know what? It's worth two, three spots. But they didn't. Doesn't mean they won't change their mind uh, tomorrow night, but the committee has told you at the moment what they think of Florida State. You, you know what really bothers me about SEC snobs? All right. And I'll, you know, I'll throw Shane Matthews in there. What really bothers me about SEC snobs is they think that their bad teams are better than oh. other teams. Yeah, like, 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 what's the difference between Florida State struggling with Boston College and Alabama? I'm at Boston College is six and six. What's the difference between that and Alabama struggling with a four and eight Arkansas? Well, Feinbaum told you he doesn't care because those are the matchups where the ACC has an advantage. But he tell you that doesn't matter because you're right. The argument about and sorry to Gator fans, the argument is saying that Florida, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Auburn, Mississippi State, and Arkansas is significantly better than the middle lower part of the ACC <laughs> because well, it, 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 it's SEC football, and you're like, okay, no one argues about the top heavy part of it, but please just step off when it comes to the no, there. Their 13th place team, Mike, is much better than the 9th place team in the right. ACC. Uh, uh, yeah, that, I never understood that. And again, I am an SEC fan. I grew up in the SEC. So, But the argument but, uh, they'll make is, hey, look what Kentucky just did to Louisville. Okay. Yeah, it's not like Kentucky's a terrible team, and that was a home game for Kentucky, and it's a rivalry game. So what? It's just what they'll fall back on, and, um, you know, that's that that that's the argument uh, to make, but again, maybe in some ways it's what makes tomorrow somewhat fascinating, especially the way games will take place. Texas playing at noon. I mean, you got Oregon, Washington tonight. Texas playing at noon. Georgia, Alabama playing at four, and then you know, Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, Michigan, Iowa at night, but also the FSU games. So by the time FSU kicks off, in some ways, maybe it's a good thing for Mike Norvell because he knows he has to win, but he may kick off saying, "Do I have to try to, you know?" put some points on the board here. Got to win first, but he may have to feel like I've got to add some touchdowns here. Daniels, free money. Take Iowa in the 23-and-a-half. Take Iowa in the 23-and-a-half. 130 teams play FBS football. They were 30th in offense. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Get this. Kent State is 26 yards better per game than Iowa, and Iowa is in the Big Ten championship game. Where is Iowa's defense ranked is what I want Seventh. Okay, all right. Yeah, seven. Run the ball, keep it close. Uh, that will be their game plan. The challenge is Michigan's second. <laughs> oh, we'll see. All right, we'll come back. we got more of the bridge brought to you by Avon Health coming up.
Oh, play the blues. Mm. Who's this, B.B. King? That's correct. It is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Not only do I have voice recognition skills, I have guitar lick wow. recognition skills. Impressive. Mm. Yeah, really nice. Is B.B. King's The Blues Place still open over at, uh, where is that? Point Orlando. I mean, at, yeah, uh, Point Orlando. Point Orlando. That's still open. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I don't think so. No. No. Daniel's giving out misinformation. Way to go. No, it is not. No, it didn't closed. survive the pandemic. Yeah. Well, a one at Bill Street with the uh, NAS- Memphis is there. <laughs> right there with the NASCAR cafe and the NBA experience. Actually, I'm not sure the one in Memphis is there anymore. Let me yes, double check is. that. It is? You it there? Is. Okay. Yeah. Remember a couple years ago, we were out at Disney. Kyle, you were there when you were working at the other station. We were out at Disney for the big NBA experience grand opening. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Remember Daniel Sylvia wouldn't make it? Yeah. How long did that last? Like a day and a half? Yeah. Six months, seven months? Yeah. <laughs> it closed when Disney closed for the pandemic and never reopened. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, so uh, uh, tonight's Oregon Washington, and then uh, tomorrow's all the other uh, conference championship games that'll be played. And by the way, Shane Matthews getting absolutely hammered by the FSU fans. On well, Shane would want that, so that's okay. <laughs> Shane would, uh, you know, would want that, but. What what like do you want chaos to happen tomorrow? Do I want cha- no? Like I want if, Florida if, State if, to get into the play. Like if Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State win, and then whoever wins the Pac twelve, that would make it easy on the committee. Yeah, the argument that you know would then be well, Texas versus an unbeaten Florida State or Texas versus. Perhaps a one-loss Oregon would be the argument, but but that would be the easiest path for Florida State is a win with victories by Michigan and Georgia. I, here's what I would like. I would like to see a little bit of chaos. For instance, you know me being the state of Florida homer that I am, I want to see Florida State in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I want Florida State to be Louisville and get in the playoff, all right? But I would like to see a little Alabama-Texas chaos. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Well, let me, okay, it, let me dance with you a second then, okay? Okay. So Michigan and Florida State win in your scenario, okay? Okay. And then Alabama, Oregon, Texas win. Who's in under Mike's world? So so Michigan, Florida State or win. Oregon and Texas are in, in my world. So you... You know me. I, I'm so a head to head out. So you would leave out an, uh, an SEC champion. Yeah, absolutely. Head to head is the ultimate argument ender in my book. And I realize you, you're not as big on head to head as me, especially when head to head comes on the other team's home field. Right. I mean, t- I mean, it, like for instance, Daniels. Like for instance, when you know, way back when you remember when. Florida State 
beat Notre Dame, uh, Bobby Bowden's first national championship year, that he won a national championship. Was that 92 or 93? All right. They beat no, they, they lost to Notre Dame. Yeah. In, in the regular season, and yet, and then Notre Dame loses to Boston College, I believe. Tom yeah. Coughlin coached uh, Boston yeah. College the following week, and Florida State jumped back over Notre Dame and got to play in the national championship game. I, I was never, not in favor of that. Okay. I, and I didn't have a problem with that, because why would Notre Dame get a free loss? Well, it wasn't like they lost to some Humpty Dumpty. Boston College was pretty good that lost, year. Though. I think they... I know they lost, but but they beat Florida State, and they but, had the same number the, of losses but, as Florida State. But the problem was what pollsters did the week after uh, Notre Dame and Florida State by leaving teams where they were, uh, set it up where it, it wasn't going to be a free loss for uh, Notre Dame. So Notre Dame goes and loses, uh, and Boston College was 9-3. and three, uh, that Okay, year. a good team. Right, but they they lost. And okay. like I said, I and Florida think, State lost too, so they had the same number of losses. Except Florida State lost to Notre Dame, but the loss still should have value. I I, I don't agree with the point of saying, well, they get a free loss because they beat uh, FSU, so that means that uh, Notre Dame could lose to anybody. And well, no, no. No, they can't lose the end. If they'd have lost to a a, a, a four and eight Arkansas, no. But okay. they lost to a good Boston. But you're College blaming team. pollsters to a degree because of where they had ranked Florida State the next week. They still kept them at number two. So when Notre Dame lost, you were asking pollsters to leave a team at number one that lost a game. Yeah. Okay. I well, guess. I'm not aware of any time that's happened before. What you really wanted was pollsters to drop Florida State down after the Notre Dame loss that then could have left you that cushion to drop Notre Dame. If you put FSU at four, they say, hey, Notre Dame goes to three, but they left him at two. So the next week when Notre Dame lost and Florida State beat NC State 62-3, to pollsters are going to have a hard time going, well, let's leave Notre Dame ahead of them. And I still remember it was it was almost pathetic, Daniels. That uh, Florida State had a receiver at the time named Matt Fryer. Yep, Live Oaks one. And he, yeah, Live Oaks one. Matt Fryer was like he was on national TV, like crying, making Florida State's case. We deserve to be in the, the national championship game. I'm like, stop it. Right. So he's been replaced now by head coaches that just cry now. <laughs> Right. Same thing, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway. All right, peace, love, boil peanuts. Have a great show and a great college football conference championship weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. Thank you, Mikey. Friday edition of the Beat of Sports is next. If you missed any of The Bridge, get the podcast at 969thegame.com slash bridge or search The Bridge wherever you download podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.